Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us as we read these scriptures together. Bring your understanding and reveal your truth. Let us open our minds, hearts, and souls to all that these words of life offer us. We long to be continually challenged, transformed, and renewed by your word. May we hear your voice of life as we read and draw close to you. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. This is from the NRSV version. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. We had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his, he had come home to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He said, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop him, to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I can assure you that my uh, suits and clergy collar are clean. Uh, they are in the closet safe. Uh, we had Mad Camp this week, and it was a joy to watch uh, our community shepherd and guide folk in their uh, discipleship. So celebrating uh, celebration of Mad Camp. Real quick, if you participated in Mad Camp, if you were here, could you uh, just stand so we could honor you and recognize you? I'm making you uncomfortable, I know, some of you. Stand up if you participated in Mad Camp. Thanks. Uh, don't worry, next week I'll be wearing a Lakeview shirt. Uh, a bunch of, we got 15 or so or 12 people going to camp this week. It's so exciting to watch this community come alongside folks and guide people in their discipleship. And we want to honor that process and support them through all of that. 
I have some words uh, that are difficult to say, words that are uh, challenging. Um, they sort of get stuck in my throat. And the words are, I, I was wrong. <laughs> um, I've had to say those words a couple times in my life. Uh, I've had to say them as a parent. Uh, that's really uncomfortable, right? When you make a, a ruling from on high as mom or dad, and then later you're like, I made the wrong ruling. I have to do the walk of shame down the hallway to the kid's door, open it and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Always a challenge. In my personal life, I had to say, I was wrong about a certain institution that I am a proud alma mater uh, to, and that would be SMU. For those of you that don't know, I went to Southern Methodist University for my Master's of Divinity, uh, and I really didn't want to go to SMU. <laughs> I went there kicking and screaming the entire way. I thought it was a silly place, and I, I didn't want to go. I wanted to go someplace else. Uh, I won't name the name of that institution either. Uh, but I have to say now, after going to SMU, sitting under those professors, sitting with those people in class, that I was wrong. My presuppositions of that institution were wrong. And that's hard for us to sort of pivot, right? Because we have information that we receive and then we begin to form judgments and opinions about things in our mind and we sort of cement our opinion about stuff. And it is difficult when we receive other information to pivot and say, you know what, my previously held assumption was incorrect. It is a challenge for us to do that. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that. Maybe it's something small, like music or art. You hear an artist on the radio for the first time and you go, oh, that's junk. And then 15 years later, you have all of their albums and you're like, I was wrong. It's actually pretty good music and here's why. Something small like that. Or maybe it's more complex, like maybe it's your political views. You've changed your opinions about our economic policy, our, our domestic policy, our international policy, and you've had to go to dinner with a friend, and they're like, hold on, I thought you were blank. And you go, yeah, well, I was, but I was, I was wrong, <laughs> and I've changed my opinion. I, I've, I've since encountered new information that has shifted and changed my opinion on the topic. It's not easy to say that you were wrong by any stretch of the imagination because oftentimes it's easier to pass judgment, it's easier to sort of sit with that, and it's a way of thinking. When we have that information, we cement our way of thinking and we shut ourselves off to new information. And so it's difficult when we encounter new information to say, huh, maybe I should take a different look at this. And the same thing is true of the Bible. When we open up that text, if we're not careful, we know how the story's gonna go. We know the characters, we know the assumptions, we think we understand God's character, and so we know it's gonna pan out a particular way. But if we pause, if we center ourselves, if we open ourselves up to the Spirit of God, and we have new eyes, and we read the text in new and exciting ways, maybe one day we'll say, huh, I was wrong. I thought it was going to be like this. And then I read the scripture and it turns out it's like this. And that moment of humility and opening yourselves up to what God is doing is exciting and terrifying all at the same time. 
We have to have an openness to the Scripture. We have to look with new eyes and allow the Spirit to guide us, much like it did Philip in our story. So our story today is found in the book of Acts. We will remember that Acts was written by Luke. It's the second half of Luke, which is a gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. So Luke gets really excited. He writes all of his gospel and he says, I'm not done yet, writing this kind of historical narrative. And he goes on to write the book of Acts. Um, and this is a, kind of about the early church. And people will ask, well, what kind of genre is this? How should I read this book of the Bible? It's a great question. You should really read it sort of as a historical novel. There's lots of tidbits of uh, factual, real places. And there's lots of conversation that we're assuming Luke talked to someone on the inside to figure out how it all went down. And this happens to be one of those stories where Luke probably talked with Philip and said, tell me that story about the guy from Ethiopia again and what happened. And Luke tells us the story here. And there are two main characters in our story today. The first is this guy named Philip. I got a picture of him up here. And the other is of this Ethiopian guy. Now, Philip is first mentioned in Acts chapter 6. He is appointed, he's one of the seven who is appointed by the disciples to care for the Christian community. Much of them have, a lot of them have different jobs in the Christian community. And Philip is appointed to care for them. Later, in Acts chapter 8, he encounters, yes, a magician, a sorcerer, a wizard. It's a weird story, I'll give you that. He encounters a weird person in Samaria, which is sort of the area north of Jerusalem. And then he encounters him, and then he turns his heart towards Jesus. And has this encounter with the wizard, the sorcerer. It's very strange. Later in the last half of chapter 8, he encounters a eunuch. Yes, very strange story. And then we don't hear from Philip again for 20 years. We encounter him again in Acts chapter 21, where Paul the Apostle comes to visit him. He's a family man now. He's settled down in Caesarea. He's got four daughters, and they are all prophets. And that's the last time we hear from Philip. He's a deacon. He's the evangelist. He brings good news. The other character is the Ethiopian eunuch. And what can we gather from this man except to say that he is surely from immense wealth? How do we know this? Well, we find him in a chariot, which is like the Bugatti of the ancient Near East. He's got horses or donkeys or oxen. It's like a, a, an awesome ride. He has a scroll of Isaiah. I'm going to put like a price tag on that. It's like a first edition. I don't know uh, how expensive that book is. But he's got a really nice book. He's probably wearing some cool head garb and some nice robes. Uh, he comes from the area of Ethiopia, which is like the Horn of Africa. It's south of Egypt. It's really the ends of the earth in the ancient world. Alexander the Great called it the ends of the earth. Everyone sort of in the ancient world thought as Ethiopia as way over there, that place with those people. And that's what it was. And he's a eunuch, which my wife said, are you going to tell people what a eunuch is? And I said, you bet. And so a eunuch, to be very particular about it, is someone who's been castrated. This man will be trusted amongst women. He's from the queen's court. He's allowed a certain place of privilege, both because of his physical nature. He's trustworthy for certain reasons. And he's sort of um, mystical, honored, strange. He's, can we just say, different? And so he's an altogether different person than Philip's probably encountered 
and his life. This story is told at breakneck speed. You have the encounter with the magician, and then here in verse 26, he has this encounter in Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem, and then an angel of the Lord picks him up and says, get up and go toward the south. This angel of the Lord tells Philip what to do. And when God speaks, Philip listens. Philip is compelled to go south after he has an encounter in the north, and he walks towards Gaza. And he said that he had come to worship in Jerusalem. This is where the eunuch appears. He'd come from Jerusalem to Gaza. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And so the eunuch has gone to Jerusalem, which at that day and time had the Temple of Solomon in it. And this is what the Temple of Solomon looked like. You'll notice that it is um, a concentric rectangles. On the outside is the place where all of the public figures and folks who are not Gentiles get to go and observe. Now you're going to notice a progression in the temple. The more male you are, the more Jewish you are, the more Levite you are, the closer you can get to the presence of God, which is in the center of the temple in the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest can go in there, and only during certain times of the year. There was a court for the women, sorry ladies. There was a court for the Gentiles, that would be people who are not of Jerusalem, not Jewish folk. They would be outside of the presence of God. So the Ethiopian, non-Jewish, eunuch, different person, has gone to Jerusalem to worship and is now heading back home, and Philip encounters him there. Then the Spirit says, get up, go, and talk to him in verse 29. I wonder, have you ever had an argument with God? Now this is not in the text, right? But I just picture this happens. You're walking along, and picture that you're Philip. You're doing your your job, and then you hear the Spirit compel you, saying, go talk to that person. And I bet you Philip said, no way. <laughs> I'm not doing it. It's not in the text, but I could imagine. Because, no way. Right? He is not a Jew. He's not of the tribe of Israel. He's not like him. He's from an entirely different culture, an entirely different place. He looks entirely different. He's a totally different socioeconomic level. No! I'm not going to go talk to him. Are you out of your mind? Fine, God, I'll go and do it. I hope you're happy. And so Philip walks, and he listens to the Spirit as it compels him forward, and he enters into conversation with the eunuch. And he finds that the eunuch is reading from the scroll of Isaiah. In that day and age, all a reading would have been out loud in antiquity. There's no such thing as silent reading, and if you know an ancient text, you understand why. It's all script, weird letters. You have to say it out loud and kind of pronunciate as you go. And so he knows he's reading from Isaiah, and he says, what are you reading? He goes, I'm reading from Isaiah. And then Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how, how can I unless someone will guide me? And church, that's the question for us today. It's the question we wrestle with at Mad Camp. It's the question that we wrestle with at Lakeview. It's the question we wrestle with with VBS. How will our community know the good news of God unless someone guides them? And that someone is us. Who will come alongside these people and guide them in their understanding 
of God. The same question that the eunuch asked Philip is the question that we're being asked today as a church. Who will guide them? Who will guide them? And it's us. He's reading the section of the prophet, and Philip responds with the good news. He begins with this section of Isaiah, and he says, let me tell you of what you're reading about. You're reading about a God who came down from on high, who gave up all of his throne, glory, and majesty, and entered into the game, and said, I'm one of you. I'll live amongst you. I'll show you how to live, how to live with hope, faith, and love. I'll die on the cross for your sin, and I'll rise again and triumph over the grave and death. This is the sort of person you're reading about. And the eunuch responds and says, that is amazing. And then a little bit on, they're traveling along. And it would be a beautiful story if it ended there. If it just said, that's it. The eunuch responds and he's, his heart was strangely warmed. And he, be, he became a Christian and it's great, right? It would be beautiful. But the story doesn't end there. They're traveling along and the eunuch sees some water and says, what's to prevent me from being baptized? At which point, Philip would say, just about everything. <laughs> just about everything. Because I'm a good Jew, I know my law. In Deuteronomy, it says those who have crushed genitals should have no part in the community. You cannot go to the temple. You're entirely different. This is only really for Jews. I cannot baptize you. But the Spirit of the Lord compels Philip to do otherwise. And he's open to the possibility that, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. And so Philip says, nothing. What's to prevent you from being baptized? Nothing. Nothing. God's grace is so strong that nothing prevents you from being baptized. Let's do it. <laughs> and so Philip breaks church law. He gets out of the chariot, right? He gets down with the eunuch and he baptizes him. The Spirit of the Lord descends on the eunuch, and then Philip is snatched away, as the text says, because Philip has listened to the Spirit of God and has other things to do. He's being compelled north to continue to share the good news, to come alongside people and baptize and evangelize the people. That's what Philip is doing as he's being open to the Spirit of God. And did you catch it? Did you see it? Did you see the Spirit moving in Philip's life? Did you see the Spirit moving in the unnamed Ethiopian man's life? Because the Spirit moves us to do things that are far outside of our comfort zone. The Spirit moves us to talk with people that are entirely different than us. Because Philip should not have baptized him. He was entirely different, sexually different. He's socioeconomically different. He's racially different. He's culturally different. And yet Philip is open to what the Spirit of God is doing and says, you know what? Maybe God's Spirit is doing something new here. And Philip responds to the prompting of the Spirit. Philip knows his Torah. He, his, he has his convictions. He's cemented his opinions. And he has to, I wonder if he's re, when he's retelling this story, Ten years from now, if he's like, you know what? I thought I knew what was right until I encountered this guy who challenged everything I thought I knew was right. And God's Spirit changed my heart and challenged me in a way that I was not expecting. I wonder if Philip had to say, I was wrong. And he had to open himself up 
to how the Spirit was moving in his life. Tradition will hold that this man who was baptized goes and becomes a missionary in Ethiopia. And if you know anything about church history, you know that the Ethiopian church is one of the oldest churches in all of Christendom. They have manuscripts of the Bible that are some of our oldest existent texts in all of history. They are a rich source of history for biblical studies and culture and understanding about the ancient world. And what would have happened if Philip was unwilling to listen to the prompting of the Spirit? Can you imagine what would have happened? I don't know. I'm glad that Philip was open to the prompting of the Spirit because it started something in Ethiopia that has been going on for over 2,000 years and continues to impact people today in beautiful ways. And so may we be willing to guide others like Philip guided the eunuch. And may we be open to what the Spirit is doing in our lives here and outside these walls. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.